That song gets me so jazzed. I cannot tell you. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explain, the podcast for comics, film, TV, and more. You name it, we explain it. I'm your host, Eric Zana, and today is a really exciting episode. Um, we're starting off our series on Kingdom Hearts. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, for those of you who don't know, are is... Uh, dropping on january 29th of 2019 so we are one two three four five six seven months away uh i'm really seven months six months six months i think it's six months <laughs> anyway um i'm super excited about this game i'm really looking forward to it it's the culmination of like over a decade and a half of waiting for this game to release so I thought to prep anyone who is not in the know on this game, we could go through the series uh, beat by beat, game by game, and catch you up on all of the happenings, all of the plot, because the plot of Kingdom Hearts gets a little confusing, and by a little, I mean really confusing. <laughs> so um, I think I'm going to go ahead and start us off. Uh, we are beginning with the one that started it all, Kingdom Hearts. And to start it off, um, I get, I'm going to give you a little breakdown of kind of the history of the game, everything that went into it, and what the game really is, so that if you're unfamiliar with the Kingdom Hearts series, you can have all the bullet points on how it was created, and then we can jump right into the story. So Kingdom Hearts is an action role-playing game. It was developed by Square, which is now Square Enix, along with uh, Disney Interactive. And it had a really funny kind of uh, journey to being created. See, it, it began as a discussion between uh, two Square executives wanting to compete with the recently released Super Mario 64. They wanted to replicate some of the success that uh, Super Mario 64 got because it was this 3D, almost open world kind of game that brought one of the most popular characters in gaming to the third dimension and put him in a different game than what most people attribute to Mario and his uh, his 2D side-scrolling antics. Now, during this discussion, uh, Tetsuya Nomura, who is renowned for being super involved in the Final Fantasy series, uh, overheard the conversation and volunteered to lead the project, and they agreed to let him do that. Now, this idea kind of fell apart really quickly because they didn't really know how they were going to be able to compete with Super Mario 64 without using characters that are as famous or more famous. So they decided that the only way to compete with something as huge as Nintendo, as huge as Mario, was to get a character from Disney. And the Disney connection kind of fell into their lap because from a lot of uh, a lot of different sources have reported that the game was totally dependent upon this chance meeting between one of the Square execs that I was talking about earlier and a Disney exec. They met each other in an elevator, and during this elevator ride, because uh, Disney had an office in Japan, and they were uh, working on um, branching out their brand, and during this elevator ride, the exec from Square basically gives him an elevator pitch on this idea of taking Disney characters and applying them to a mario 64 style game and disney exec loved it loved the idea and decided to run with it so they agreed to collaborate the game came under development and immediately they had a difference of opinion so originally uh square wanted mickey mouse to be the lead character in the 
uh, in the Kingdom Hearts game because he's iconic. He's as iconic, if not more so. So that's who Square wanted. And funny thing about that, uh, Disney actually wanted Donald Duck to be the lead character. Um, I tried really hard to find out why they wanted Donald to be the main character, but um, I couldn't. If uh, you listening know uh, some secret conversation that was had on why Disney wanted Donald Duck to be the main character, please let me know. Uh, I would love to uh, I would love to be told the rationale that Disney had behind having that. But um, anyway, so they butted heads about this main character dilemma. And uh, Tatsuya Nomura, who was leading the project at the time, he wanted an original character. He decided, you know, you want this character, you want this character. I think the best that we can do is create an original character to be the lead for this project because it allows whoever's playing the game to jump into the role of this character. They don't have to be like, oh, I'm someone playing Mickey Mouse. Oh, I'm someone playing Donald Duck. I am Sora. And that was kind of the uh, the thought process behind that. So they created, as I spoiled, I guess, uh, they created this character named Sora. And because uh, Square really wanted Mickey as the main character, they did a lot of designs that were kind of derivative of Mickey's original design. You know, they got him in these bright red shorts, these giant yellow shoes, the white gloves. And initially, Sora had these um, kind of lion-esque attributes. He had like a lion-style tail. He had like lion ears. It was really weird. And he had this weapon, which was essentially like a chainsaw sword. Now, um, Disney took one look at that and was like, we are pitching this to families and to children. We can't have our main character wielding a chainsaw. <laughs> so um, they went back to the they went back to the drawing board. They also realized that these lion features were really similar to the Final Fantasy IX protagonist, Zidane. Um, so they scrapped that. They decided to make him a purely human character. And they, the idea was that uh, Tetsuya Nomura wanted a character that dispelled this idea that main characters have to be people with quote-unquote importance. He said that you don't have to be a quote-unquote important person to accomplish great things. So he wanted to make Sora as ordinary as possible from the get-go. And so they decided that they wanted to combine both Disney and Final Fantasy elements because something like that has never been done before. And when coming up for the name of this project, they initially wanted to call it Kingdom. They took inspiration from the various Disney parks. Um, the one that they took the most inspiration was, of course, from Animal Kingdom. And they thought Kingdom just sounded awesome. It sounded just great as like this iconic title. But getting the copyrights and everything for that proved to be really, really difficult. And so they looked at the concepts that they had for the story with the fact that there's a huge emphasis on the heart and what it entails and what it represents to not just the characters in the game, but to the story as a whole. So they decided to, to combine the two elements and called it Kingdom Hearts. Now, they officially announced Kingdom Hearts at E3 2001, and just one year later, Kingdom Hearts was released in Japan on March 28, 2002, and later on in the fall of 2002 for international audiences on the PS2 console, and people got to experience this brand new story, which, in my opinion, is one of the most iconic and prolific video game experiences of all time. Now, we begin our story in Destiny Islands, where a young boy named Sora has been having strange dreams lately. One of these dreams includes the quote-unquote dive to the heart, where Sora finds himself sinking through an endless abyss until he lands on top of a platform 
that is adorned with Disney princesses. The not the actual princesses. They're basically uh, artwork of the princesses for uh, different platforms. I believe there's three. And Sora makes his way through these platforms one by one until he is confronted by these shadowy creatures, including one giant creature that he's able to defeat through the use of a weapon. And when Sora awakes, he is back on the islands and he is awoken by his friend Kairi. Now, the two of them, along with their good friend Riku, are members of the community that live on this on these destiny islands and the three friends are yearning for more they have become bored with this life on this island where nothing happens and riku especially talks about his his desperation and wanting to find out what other worlds exist what's beyond the coastline so the three friends have constructed a raft where they plan to use the raft to sail past the horizon and learn what else there is beyond this tiny island that they've come to know. Now they pretty early on explain that Sora has a very deep-seated love for Kairi. He is drawn to her they've been friends for as long as he can remember and they make this they make a point to um introduce this idea that sora has a crush on her and that riku whether or not he is crushing on her as well uh he has noticed this and there is a moment where they introduce this idea of a paupu fruit where if you share it with someone, it means that your lives will be intertwined forever. And uh, Riku and Sora engage in this race, and right before the race starts, Riku's like, okay, whoever wins gets to share the papu fruit with Kairi. And it drives Sora to win the race. And later on, as they're getting ready, they have gotten all their supplies, they've built the raft, they decide that they're going to set sail tomorrow and while Sora is kind of gathering the last remaining supplies that they might need he comes across this cave and this there's this secret cave that's hidden within the island uh him and Kairi used to come there as kids and there is a uh cave drawing that they drew of each other their faces and while in there Sora draws himself giving a paupu fruit to Kairi. And it's at this time that he is surprised by this cloaked figure. This cloaked figure tells Sora that the door has been opened, that the worlds are connected. And it's at this time that we notice that inside the cave is a strange wooden door. It doesn't look like it is supposed to be there. It looks like it goes somewhere, but the door is locked. So Sora is basically like, who the heck is this guy? And before he knows it, the figure has disappeared. So Sora heads home, and during the night, there is this terrible storm. And while Sora is at home, he realizes that the raft might be in danger. So he heads back out to the island and finds that the island is being besieged by these shadowy creatures the same shadowy creatures that he fought in his dream now he recognizes that two other small boats have been docked at at the island so he can only assume that riku and kairi are also somewhere on the island and so he sets out to find them and make sure that they're safe and the first one that he comes across is riku who is acting very strange he says he mirrors what the cloaked figure said earlier and that the world is connected that the door has been opened and he extends his hand out to sora to tell him to join him and as he does this this pool of shadows and darkness begins to drag riku underneath and sora tries to rescue him but is also consumed by the by the darkness and as all 
hope seems lost as Sora is being consumed by this darkness, there is a light that comes to him. And in this light is a weapon, and this weapon is the Keyblade. This weapon is the only thing that's able to vanquish these shadow creatures, and Sora uses it to escape from the darkness and continue his quest to find Kairi. Um, he makes his way to the secret cave that he and Kairi had been to as kids and finds Kairi there, but she's also acting strange. She says to him, almost in a trance-like state, she says his name, and then the door blows open, and a gust of wind blows Kairi into Sora's arms, but as he wraps his arms around her to catch her, she disappears. Shortly after this, Sora is blown by the gust of wind back out to the main island, and he finds that the island is literally falling apart. And this is when he is confronted again by this giant shadowy figure that he fought in his dream. And this figure, this giant figure, is called a dark side. And Sora, using the Keyblade, vanquishes Darkseid, but unfortunately isn't able to save his island, as the island is drawn up into this vortex in the sky and Sora along with it. Meanwhile, at Disney Castle... High Mage Donald, along with Knight Goofy, <laughs> are looking for their king, King Mickey Mouse, and they find that he's nowhere to be seen. They go into the throne room trying to seek his guidance because they're noticing that things are wrong. There's something going on around all the worlds and... They trust that their king knows what's happening. Unfortunately, when they get to the throne room, they find that it's empty as well. And they find that instead of their king sitting on the throne, there's a letter addressed to them. And after reading this letter, they figure out that King Mickey has gone on this quest. He's left to try and solve the problem of all the worlds uh, in peril and that they need to find the key. He says that he is looking for the source of this darkness, the source of why everything is going wrong, and he tasks Donald and Goofy to find the key, and that the key is the only way that they will be able to fix it. So they hop in their gummy ship, and they make their way to Traverse Town. Now, in Traverse Town, Traverse Town, the idea behind it is that this is a world where remnants where citizens of worlds that were consumed by darkness pop up. If the world is consumed, they find their way to Traverse Town, and Traverse Town is kind of this, uh, kind of this, like, uh, sanctuary, this refugee town, uh, comprised of everyone who survived the darkness swallowing up their world. And Donald and Goofy decide that this is the perfect place to look to begin their search. And elsewhere in Traverse Town, Sora has arrived. He is woken up by uh, the iconic dog Pluto, who has joined along with Goofy and Donald on their quest to find not only the key, but their king. And before Sora can get his feet underneath him, Pluto runs away to rejoin his companions. So Sora starts to make his way through this strange town, through the three districts that comprise the town, and throughout his travels in each district, he is attacked by more and more of these shadowy creatures. And he's able to fend them off, but he doesn't know where they're coming from or why they keep attacking him. So as he returns to the first district, he is beset upon by this strange man who says that the Heartless are chasing him. And so that's where we get our first uh, instance of knowing what these shadowy creatures are. They're called the Heartless. And this man who introduces himself as Leon tells Sora that they will never stop hunting him because he has the Keyblade. And the Heartless are drawn to the Keyblade. So Leon decides to test Sora's metal, his, his strength. So they have a duel in the first district, but it's quickly interrupted by 
a new <laughs> a new Final Fantasy character named Yuffie who has told Leon that they need to get to somewhere safe. Meanwhile, Goofy and Donald run across this character named Aerith, this young woman who tells them all about the Heartless and mentions to them that her and her compatriots are survivors from another world that was taken. Now, Leon introduces this idea of Ansem, and he says that Ansem was essentially the king of their world, and that he was studying the Heartless before the Heartless consumed the world and Leon and his group had to escape to Traverse Town. Shortly after this, more Heartless attack the group, and pretty quickly, Donald and Goofy run across Sora. And no sooner than the three of them meet than they are attacked by the guard armor, this giant Heartless that is focused on attacking them and consuming their hearts. Now, the three heroes are able to defeat the guard armor and decide to travel together to not only search for King Mickey, but also to search for Riku and Kairi. So this is the beginning of their journey. This is the start of the game. This is the start of their odyssey. And Donald and Goofy explain to Sora that the gummy ship is how they traverse through different worlds, and that there are many different worlds across this, I guess, universe, and that they might be able to find Riku or Kairi or their king or all three on any one of these number of worlds. So they take the Keyblade, they decide that they are not only going to search for their friends, but they are also going to try to save these worlds from the darkness that is consuming them. So they travel through these passages to worlds that are based on Disney classics. Uh, the first world that they come across is Wonderland, and it's during this adventure that we get our first appearance of the Villain Council. That's not what they're officially called, but like that's really that's really kind of what they are. They're this uh, cabal of Disney villains, including Ursula from The Little Mermaid, Jafar from Aladdin. We have Hades from Hercules, and more. And so these villains are corralled and led by Maleficent, who was the main villain of the uh, classic Sleeping Beauty. And Maleficent introduces them all to this idea that using the Keyblade is how they are going to gain control of the darkness. So our gang ends up going through Deep Jungle, which is the world based on Tarzan. And they also happen upon Olympus Coliseum, where they engage in this tournament, this contest of heroes. And they meet Hercules, they meet Phil, and during this tournament they also run into Cloud Strife. Cloud Strife is another Final Fantasy character who has adrift and has struck a deal with Hades to kill Hercules, and Hades would reunite Cloud with not only his missing memories, but his friends. Now, allying with Cloud, Sora and his friends are able to repel Hades. They're able to fight off his secret monster Cerberus, the three-headed dog. They're able to beat back the Rock Titan and the Ice Titan. And during this uh, adventure at Olympus Coliseum, Sora is also able to fight a strange man named Sephiroth. Now, Sephiroth is leagues above Sora in experience and power, but Sora is able to defeat him in one-on-one -on -one combat, and through this, Sephiroth gives Sora his respect and disappears. The gang also runs through Agrabah, and they encounter Aladdin, Jasmine, the magic carpet, and the genie. And during this adventure, they also run afoul of Jafar, the royal vizier. And Jafar reveals himself as part of this group of villains who are vying for the power that Sora has with him. And they're able to defeat Jafar. Jafar, in the classic Aladdin storytelling, turns himself into a genie. They're able to defeat him and trap him back in this lamp, and then they move on. Also, during 
their travels as they traverse through these worlds, Sora starts to find these pages, these torn pages that seem to come from a book that is kept by Merlin the Wizard in Tra- Traverse Town. And once he is able to collect all of the torn pages, he puts them back into the book and finds himself in the Hundred Acre Wood. That's right, he encounters Winnie the Pooh and all of his friends. And it's during this that we get some mini-games, we get Sora encountering classic Winnie the Pooh characters and helping them solve their problems. And at the conclusion of his adventures with them, he leaves the book, which is somehow containing all of uh, Winnie the Pooh's world, and they promise to never forget each other. Now... Along this route, they make a quick detour back to Traverse Town, where Sora runs into Riku. Riku seems just as jovial as ever. He tells Sora that he is also looking for Kairi, and that the two of them should work together to find her. But of course, they're attacked by Heartless, and before they're able to defeat the Heartless, Riku disappears. Now, Sora reunites with Leon and the group to kind of regroup and plan their next attack. And it's during this uh, meeting that we find out that Riku was found by Maleficent. And that she is manipulating him into thinking that Sora has forgotten and abandoned his friends and replaced them with Donald and Goofy. Which sets Riku and Sora on a collision course later on down the line. So... Through their travels, their ship is at one point accidentally swallowed by Monstro, the giant whale from Pinocchio, and during this adventure, as they try to get out from the whale's belly, they run into Geppetto and his wooden puppet son Pinocchio. Now, Riku encounters them again, with Riku telling Sora that the idea that Pinocchio has a heart, while still being a puppet interests him because he wants to find out a way to take out the heart from Pinocchio and use it to help Kairi. Now this is kind of the way, I guess I should, um, I should explain that, uh, heart isn't really used in a literal sense in this series. Uh, heart, it, it works, it makes a bit more sense if you look at heart as like a soul. So the reason that the Heartless attack is because they want to uh, essentially kill people and consume their souls. So they uh, strike people down, they take their hearts, and it makes them grow stronger. And Heartless, as we come to find out, are people whose hearts were taken from them. So when a person loses their heart, that heart, that missing heart becomes a Heartless. So it's a never-ending cycle of Heartless that seem to multiply almost every minute, every second. So Riku is being very cryptic while they're still in Monstro, saying that he wants to take Pinocchio's soul, essentially, and help Kairi, because he says he's found Kairi and she needs their help. But before he is able to explain further, they are attacked by another Heartless, and Riku escapes. Now, they're able to escape from Monstro and find themselves in Atlantica, where they encounter Ariel, they encounter Sebastian, Flounder, Ursula, as well as Ariel's father, King Triton. And King Triton mentions to Sora that this isn't the first time that a Keyblade wielder has come to their world. So we get this idea that there may have been other Keyblade wielders. There may there may have been many at one point, but we don't know what happened to them. We don't know where they all went. We don't know why the Keyblade chose Sora, other than the strength of his heart. So after that adventure, they move on to Halloween Town, which gives them another glimpse into what truly a heart is, because Jack Skellington is trying to figure out how to artificially create a heart and through this adventure they are able to fight oogie boogie uh oogie boogie at one point turns into a giant mansion version of himself that the gang has to fight and at the end of this little adventure uh jack skellington realizes that the heart is not something that you can artificially make it's the shared memories and experiences that you have with the people you care about 
After this, we move on to Neverland, specifically the ship of Captain Hook. Uh, Sora, Donald, and Goofy come across Peter Pan, who is being held there as a prisoner, and he fills them in that he is searching for his friend Wendy. Now, the gang comes across Wendy, who is also being held in the same room as Kyrie, and we find that Riku is trying to figure out what's wrong with Kyrie because Kyrie, just as she was on Destiny Island, is in this trance state. She almost seems like she's in a coma. And Riku thinks that she's lost her heart, but he doesn't know how to get it back for her. So during this, um, Sora fights Captain Hook, defeats him. He is able to uh, utilize Tinkerbell's uh, fairy dust to fly. And Pretty quickly after this, Riku escapes with Kairi, saying that Sora will never understand, that he's abandoned his friends, and that the only way to help Kairi is through the darkness. Now following this, one more world opens itself up to the gang, and this is Hollow Bastion. This world is the world of Leon, it's the world of Cloud, it's the world of Luffy, and Luffy... <laughs> For my uh, for my One Piece fans out there, uh, it's Yuffie's world. It's it's Aerith's world. It's Sid's world. Who is the uh, the mechanic that they meet in Traverse Town? Who works on their gummy ship? This world is the one that was taken from their king Ansem, and this is the world that all the darkness seems to be pouring out of. So upon arriving to Hol Hollow Bastion. Sora, Donald, and Goofy encounter the Beast from Beauty and the Beast, and he he's he's really interesting because we find the Beast in conflict with Riku, and Riku remarks that Beast's world was swallowed by the Heartless. Beast's world was swallowed by the Darkness. How did Beast make it to Hollow Bastion without any kind of uh, vehicle to traverse the worlds, like a gummy ship or how Riku and other villains are able to pass through the worlds using uh, these doorways to darkness. And Beast, basic, Beast basically tells him, I said no. I, I decided I was not going to be swallowed by the darkness, and I got here through sheer force of will. Which makes Beast a total badass. <laughs> so um, they fight, Riku defeats him, and... Before he's able to strike him down, Sora, Donald, and Goofy interrupt. And it's at this point that Riku claims that Sora has just been the messenger. That Sora has been keeping the Keyblade warm for him. That he was his main goal in this story was to take the Keyblade and deliver it to Riku personally. And that's when Riku is able to steal the Keyblade from Sora. Now, this shouldn't happen. Earlier in the game... Uh, Leon takes the Keyblade from Sora, and the Keyblade disappears from his hand and magically appears back in Sora. It's chosen him. But in this instance, the Keyblade has chosen Riku, which destroys Sora. His spirit is crushed, he's left there, Riku tosses him a wooden sword that they used to play with on the island and tells him, you can make do with that, and leaves. And unfortunately, because Donald and Goofy were tasked with following the key, they leave with him, which leaves Sora and the Beast to somehow find their way into the castle of Hollow Bastion. Now, they make their way through a tunnel system and find themselves at the front gate. They make their way in and find themselves caught up with Riku, Donald, and Goofy. And it's at this point that Riku has changed. He is... His costume has changed from the bright yellow and blue that he used to have to this heartless-inspired garb. And he is able to throw darkness in, like, a, uh, a blast. And he blasts at Sora, telling him that he's weak, but Goofy jumps in and protects him with his shield, basically saying that Sora is his friend. And no order to follow the Keyblade will stop him from being his friend. Donald joins in with them, and Sora finally realizes that his friends are his power. 
and the strength of his heart returns, and he retakes the Keyblade from Riku. Riku, who is confused and upset, escapes, and in his frustration, in his panic, in his desperation, he comes across the hooded figure from before. And the cloaked figure tells him that the only way that he'll be able to defeat Sora and save Kairi is to fully embrace the darkness. Meanwhile, uh, Sora, Donald, and Goofy make their way through the castle. And throughout this journey, they are Sora is given these visions of a young Kairi and her grandmother. And Sora remembers that Kairi wasn't always living on Destiny Islands, that she came when she was very young, and that she didn't really have any memories of where she lived before. So Sora puts two and two together, of course, and realizes that Hollow Bastion was Kairi's original world. And he starts to wonder what else, what other secrets about Kairi does he not know. The gang finally comes across Maleficent, who is the last remaining member of this, uh, this secret council of villains. And they are able to defeat her. And Maleficent escapes. The two, the three members of our, our heroes are able to, um, chase her into the chapel of the castle where Maleficent comes across Riku and Riku is acting strange. He doesn't seem to be like himself. He is speaking through someone else's voice and he now has this dark keyblade. Riku uses the dark keyblade to unlock the darkness in Maleficent's heart turning her into this huge dragon, and then leaves to let Sora and the gang fight Maleficent. They're able to defeat her, and she basically burns in this green fire until only her cloak is left. So Riku escapes again, and Sora, Donald, and Goofy track him into the main hall the throne room, as it were, of Holobastion. And when they get there, they find that the six princesses of heart are imprisoned there. Now, these six princesses include Belle, Cinderella, Jasmine, Princess Aurora, Alice, and Snow White. And he finds that the goal of the uh, Disney villains was to capture all of these princesses and use their combined uh, hearts to open up kingdom hearts, which is this other realm of unimaginable power. So within this area, Sora finds Kairi. Kairi is, of course, unconscious, still in this uh, coma-like state. And that is when they are encountered by Riku, who admits to them that he has been possessed by Ansem. Now, throughout their journey, Sora, Donald, and Goofy encountered, just like the Torn Pages, these Ansem reports, which detailed Ansem's research into the Heartless. And the end of Ansem's reports revealed that he gave himself over to the darkness to find out truly what they were. And we find out that Ansem's Heartless is possessing Riku because he himself doesn't have a body. And at this point, Riku Ansem reveals that Kairi is the seventh princess of heart. So Riku and Sora battle once again, and Sora is again able to defeat him. Riku escapes, and Sora realizes that they aren't able to um, seal the keyhole without Kairi's heart. Now, the keyholes are the kind of the passageways between worlds and whenever Sora seals a keyhole in any of the worlds that they travel to it's closed off from the heartless the heartless aren't able to return to it so throughout his his travels he's able to seal the keyholes of each world that he is able to uh, come to and he finds that the Hollow Bastion keyhole needs all seven princesses of heart to complete the keyhole, and that without completion of this keyhole, the world is going to be completely consumed by the Heartless. So Sora realizes that 
Kyrie's heart has been within him this whole time, and that's why he's felt this connection with her. And that when he encountered her in the cave when Destiny Islands was being destroyed, that was her heart reaching out to him. So Sora uses Riku's dark keyblade on himself and unlocks his heart, allowing Kyrie's heart to return to her. Unfortunately, this means that Sora loses his heart as well and is turned into a heartless. Kyrie, Donald, and Goofy escape back into the entrance hall of Hall of Bastion as the Heartless continue to chase them and attack them. And thankfully, they're able to repel the other, um, the other Heartless thanks to an intervention from the Beast, who has followed them and has been uh, kind of having a watchful eye over them. Now... During this battle, Donald notices that there's one Heartless that has been following them, but hasn't been attacking them, has just been following them and watching them. And Donald goes to attack it, but Kyrie realizes that this Heartless is Sora, and that he hasn't completely lost his heart. So Kyrie wraps her arms around him, there's this blinding flash of light, and Sora has been restored. Now, it doesn't really explain why this happens <laughs> um we can assume that because of the strength of Sora's heart along with the power of Kyrie being a princess of heart that they were able to reconstitute him but either way beast tells them that he's going to hold off the heartless while the group escapes so they head back to Traverse Town for kind of a final reprieve before they head back to Hollow Bastion to seal the keyhole. And this is kind of the first time that Sora really gets to talk to Kairi from this entire adventure since Destiny Islands was swallowed by the darkness. And so they have a heart-to-heart -heart with each other. They're able to finally talk about how Sora has been searching for her, how he cares about her, and how he need he now is part of a bigger purpose. He has to seal the keyhole and save all these worlds from the darkness. So Kyrie reveals that she has been working on this charm, this good luck charm that is sort of styled after the Paupu fruit. She hands it to him and tells him that it's her lucky charm and that he can use it to give him good luck. But she also makes him promise that he's going to return it to her, which of course he does. Now thanks to some quick thinking by Sid, our gang is able to return to Hollow Bastion and reunites with the Beast, who has been fighting the Heartless on his own this whole time. Again, Beast, total badass in this entire game series. But <clears throat> they're able to reunite the Beast with Belle and make their way through the keyhole to fight this giant heartless known as the behemoth after defeating the behemoth they're able to close the keyhole and with it they are able to return the hearts of the seven princesses to their bodies so all the princesses are able to wake up and bell reunites with beast it's a really nice moment they have their moment of you know true love now on their way out, they return to the chapel where they fought the dragon Maleficent, only to find that an unknown man is there. He is dressed in this long black cloak, a hood covers his face, they can't see who he is. But this unknown man says some strange things to Sora. He tells him that he is incomplete and that, quote unquote, you look just like him. And then engages Sora to, I guess, test his strength. And this is the hardest boss in the game, as like a side note, is ridiculous. Like he flips all over the place, he has these like energy blasts, and he whips out lightsabers and a total copyright infringement on Star Wars that I'm sure they would follow up on later on if they weren't both owned by Disney. But it was like, it was crazy. And this guy, they fight. Sora is able to, I guess, appease him because there's no way that at this level Sora is able to defeat him. And the unknown man leaves. 
So following this, Sora, Donald, and Goofy realize that Ansem has retreated to the end of the world, which is this composite, uh, heartless. It's in, it's explained as this is a heartless world where all the fragments of worlds that were consumed by the darkness end up and they combine into this like, uh, lost coast where Ansem is drawing all of his power. And after making their way to the end of the world, they come across Chernabog, the big gargoyle-looking guy from uh, Fantasia. And they're able to defeat him and head into Witch Mountain, I guess. And this is when they come across a familiar door. And this is the same door that was in the cave of Destiny Islands. And... After a final rest, the three heroes make their way through the door and find themselves back on Destiny Islands. They are encountered by Riku, again, possessed by Ansem, who very quickly takes on the form of Ansem's Heartless, who is this super bronzed, like, long white hair. Like, he's evil. He is evil. He is as Final Fantasy villain as this game gets, without, you know, actually having Sephiroth there. So they have a battle with him on the beach of the of what is left of Destiny Islands. You see throughout the uh, the remnants of the island, it's broken up, it's fragmented, it's in pieces, and Ansem admits that Riku's lust for leaving the islands is what drew the darkness to destiny islands so they have a fight on the beach uh sora is able to defeat him they have a f another fight inside of a crater of the beach sora defeats him again and is attacked by another dark side now as a side note if you're picturing dark side as the villain from dc comics don't way less cool uh no lines, just he's this giant version of a Heartless that punches things. So Sora battles him, is able to defeat it again, and then finds himself in the Endless Abyss. And in this Endless Abyss, Ansem has fused himself to this Heartless battleship, where Donald and Goofy are imprisoned inside it, and Sora has to rescue them. He ends up uh, breaking Donald and Goofy out of their confinement, and the three heroes are able to destroy the battleship and defeat Ansem once and for all. Ansem, who has returned to his original-looking state when they fought on the beach, looks to this giant white door, which he says is the door to Kingdom Hearts. And he has been trying and trying to open this door because this is the door to ultimate darkness. As the door begins to open, Sora tells him that he's wrong, and that if he's learned anything, it's that Kingdom Hearts is light. And that's exactly what it is. Light floods through the door, destroys Ansem, Ansem's Heartless, and that is the end of the battle. However, when Sora, Donald, and Goofy go to look through the door, they find that on the other side, there is just a ridiculous amount of Heartless that th this door seems to be a passageway into where the Heartless come from, into this realm of darkness. So they try to close the door. They're not able to until Riku appears. Riku has regained his body. He's regained his senses, and he is going to help them close the door. He's on the other side. He starts to pull the door. They start to push the door. But they find that the door still won't close, and that is when... Mickey Mouse appears. He shows up in the Realm of Darkness with another Keyblade. And this Keyblade, the color is inverted from Sora's. Sora's is a uh, gold handle with a silver Keyblade. And Mickey's is a silver handle with a gold blade. Now, Mickey tells Donald and Goofy that they did well, and tells Sora that together the two of them can use their Keyblades to seal this door forever. So the two of them use their Keyblades to seal the door, and Sora has this tearful goodbye with Riku, as Riku tells him to take care of Kairi, because the only way that they can close the doors is with Riku and Mickey on the other side. 
So the door shuts, the end of the world breaks apart as all of the worlds return to their uh, original states, and Sora has a final goodbye with Kyrie because Destiny Islands is reforming and Kyrie is supposed to be on that world. So and it, it never explains how she's suddenly there, but she is. And her and Sora have this tearful goodbye where Kyrie tells him to promise him that she'll come back or that he'll come back, excuse me, and uh, Sora promises that he will, but he needs to find Riku. And he says, I'll come back to you. Kyrie says, I know you will. And they part. And Simple and Clean kicks on, and I always cry, and it's terrible, and I'm always just a mess during this ending. But following this, Kyrie reappears on Destiny Islands. Destiny Islands has been completely reformed, and she finds that the stars are starting to show back in the sky because at the beginning of the game, they started to notice that stars were blinking out and that was the sign of worlds being consumed by the darkness. So all of the stars return to the sky. All of the worlds are returned to their proper place and Kyrie is left alone on Destiny Islands. Following this, Sora, Donald, and Goofy are on this unknown road with these green hills and they don't really know what to do. They're walking along this road, and they basically say, you know, our goal now is to find King Mickey and Riku. We don't know where to start, but we're gonna we're gonna find our way. And all of a sudden, they come across Pluto, who has been strangely absent throughout this entire adventure. And clutched in Pluto's mouth is a letter from King Mickey. So they chase after Pluto. Pluto runs along the road, and the adventure continues. And yet... There is another side, another story. A secret ending that is unlocked shows a cloaked figure, similar to the unknown man, walking along a reigning city. This city is the closest to a real-world city that we've seen in this game yet, but it's dark, it's nighttime, uh, rain is pouring down, and... This cloaked figure is surrounded by Heartless. And what does he do? He whips out two Keyblades. The Oathkeeper Keyblade that was created by attaching Kyrie's good luck charm to Sora's Keyblade, as well as the Oblivion Keyblade, which was found in the um, Hollow Bastion Grand Hall where Riku fought Sora. And he uses it to fight these heartless he combats them and he comes across this figure who looks suspiciously like riku just with longer hair and a blindfold the two battle it out and we get flashes Oops, i'm just gonna smack the mic there i guess getting into it getting involved but um the two have a fight along with the Heartless attacking them, and we get glimpses of other characters. We get glimpses of other figures like the Unknown Man. There's more of him. We don't know who they are, where they come from, but the Unknown Man is not alone. And the end of this, uh, this secret movie involves two of these cloaked figures meeting on a beach. And you can tell that the that one of them is the unknown man from Hollow Bastion because he turns to the figure that just appeared and approached him and says, I've gone to see him. He looks just like you. And that is the story for the first game. Um, <laughs> it is it is a doozy, and I wasn't lying when I said it gets a little complicated, but it gets worse <laughs> um it it does get more complicated as the series goes on but i'm gonna try my best to keep us afloat and keep us above all the confusion um i would be remiss if i didn't talk about uh the final mix final mix is basically an extended version of the game that was initially released only in japan but was later brought to international markets through the kingdom hearts 1.5 remix uh, the final mix includes some extra bosses, like The Unknown Man is a final mix exclusive, who was later put in. Um, Sephiroth, 
Ice Titan, Phantom, and Kurt Zisa are also new bosses that were part of the final mix. Uh, the final mix also contained new weapons, accessories, abilities, as well as new story cutscenes. Uh, these cutscenes included uh, little glimpses into Riku's story throughout the game, uh, namely him showing up in Hollow Bastion for the first time after the island was consumed. Uh, also, the battle with the Unknown Man. Uh, there's the origin of the Oathkeeper Keyblade, which shows that Kyrie was working on this, uh, on this, I guess, Paupu Fruit uh, keychain lucky charm thing, and it shows that this is what led to Sora getting the ability to use the Oathkeeper. Uh, and it also shows a kick-ass cutscene after you defeat Sephiroth, where Cloud shows up, and they have like a little duel before they rise up into the sky and disappear in a uh, just light. <laughs> There's a flash of light, the two men disappear. But um, yeah, that is the first game. So uh, it's, it's a doozy, I won't lie. Um, thank you so much if you listened all the way through to this point. I do appreciate it. And um, I figured I would just give you guys a breakdown of what's to come. So I did the math, I did my uh, scheduling, and this Kingdom Hearts series is really important to me because I've loved these games for a really long time. I've been a huge fan of the series, and I want to make sure I do this justice. Um, so each game is going to get its own episode. Uh, each episode is going to be hopefully the first week of every month. So... This is July, 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, everyone. And uh, the first game will be here. Uh, first week of August is going to be Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, the next story. After that, September is going to be Kingdom Hearts 2. October will be Kingdom Hearts 358 Days Over 2. I know it's confusing. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, November is going to be Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. December will be Kingdom Hearts Coded. And then we'll wrap it all up in January before uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out with Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. Again, thank you so much for listening to this. Uh, this is kind of the first big series for the podcast, and I'm really excited to uh, share this with you guys. Because I love this game, I have a passion for this game, and I hope you as either fans of the series or newcomers to the series enjoy it. And if you are newcomers to the series, let me know. Let me know if this game was too confusing. Um, let me know if there's anything that I could explain a little bit better. Uh, I take everything, I listen to all feedback, and I do apply it to my podcast. So if you want to chat with me, you can tweet me at Pod. That's at P-O-D. Or feel free to shoot me an email, because I'm an old man and I still read email. Uh, that's going to be geeksplained at gmail.com. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and wrap it up here. I Again, I love this game. I'm really excited to do this series, and I'm really excited for you guys to be along with the ride with me. So um, I'm trying to think if I missed anything. Oh, um, I will continue to pitch this Uh we got into a film festival in L.A. Uh, <laughs> I know I talked about this last episode, but I'm going to keep talking about it uh, just because I'm so excited about it. Uh, our short film, Murder, A Friendship Story, got accepted into the uh, Midsummer Scream Festival, and we will be part of their um, their showings during the convention. Uh, if you're in LA, check it out. We'll be there. We'll be uh, showing off the film and would love to meet any of you guys there and talk. <laughs> That's going to be at the end of this month, the end of July. It's the final weekend in July. Um, feel free to check out uh, Murder Friendship Story on Facebook. Uh, check it out. It's amazing. Everyone who put their time and their creative juices into it is amazing. Uh, I love you guys. Um, would love to talk to you guys about more things like this. Uh, let me know if you enjoyed this episode. Uh, let me know if there are other video games you'd love for me to cover. I, I'm i an avid gamer myself, and I would love to cover other games. I've uh, been kind of looking into maybe doing a God of War series later on. 
maybe. I love the God of War games. But anyway, thank you again for listening. I'm really excited about the series, and I can't wait to share these games with all of you. So I'll go ahead and wrap it up here for Geek Explain. This is Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. You're